Welcome back to Firewall. As usual, I'm your host, Bradley Tusk. This is a special edition, emergency episode of Firewall, uh, pre-election. My guest today is Cristobal Alex. Uh, you been on the show before or not? I have not. You have not. See, I kind of just assume that you have. So, um, all right, then let me let me introduce you. So, Cristobal is uh, a colleague of mine at Tusk, um, but he joined us from the White House. He was the Deputy Secretary for Cabinet Affairs, um, and then jobs at the DNC, at the White House, at on multiple campaigns, the Ford Foundation. What am I missing? That's perfect. Yeah. My um, biggest job, yeah. though, is dad. Got yeah, two babies sure. at home. That is how you know he lives in D.C. He says shit like this. <laughs> but it's true. Um, so, um, <laughs> and I'm very grateful to be here with you. Thank you. Yeah, Hefito. but we have a, uh, we've worked with the guy, I guess, since like late May. Wait, where at, are we, Bradley? What, uh, I, mean? I always fucking do this. Sorry. We are at PNT Netware. It is a bookstore and podcast studio at 180 Orchard Street in Manhattan, just south of Houston. And uh, if you want to record a podcast or hold an event or get a coffee or buy a book, please come on by. The center of the universe. Um, exactly. So anyway, so Cristobal and I have been having a really good time working together and, and talk about politics a lot. And uh, g- given your expertise, and you actually also are a commentator on the stuff on MSNBC, um, thought it would just be good to kind of pick your brain in advance of the election so that, as Hugo was saying earlier, either you will look like a complete genius or a total idiot. Uh, <laughs> That's true. And we'll now have a, re- a record of it immediately to know. Um, all right. So, so big picture, it seems to me that in a weird way, the surprise right now at how bad it's going to be for the Democrats shouldn't have been a big surprise. Like, if anything, the, the, the party charge almost these days always gets wiped out in the midterms. It's not really that surprising. And then somehow it became its like own story this year when you could have just said, yeah, this is what always happens, and just left it at that. So what, what am I right And what happened? Yeah, I, so it's interesting. I've... I feel like this midterm is different than, than pretty much any midterm I've ever okay. experienced. And what I mean by that is a couple things. Um, you know, you and I have been in politics for a long time. And to me, I think of politics in some ways as, you know, a game of momentum. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're, uh, you know, you're watching your football game, that you want your team to have the ball, you know, at the end of the fourth quarter, you want that momentum swing coming their way. And for a minute there, everybody assumed Democrats were going to get, you know, destroyed in the midterms, uh, which typically happens. And it would be even worse this year because of all of the structural changes and challenges with gerrymandering and everything else. But then Dobbs happened, right? And so suddenly there was this new oxygen and this wind in the sails for Democrats that uh, for a minute there, between like June, I would say, until, you know, September, there was a different variation, a different calculation. Yes, Kansas happened and that was exciting. But overall... Was there actually any sort of change whatsoever, or is it just a bunch of sort of democratic, you know, pundits just wanting something to talk about and shifting the kind of shifting elite belief when nothing had actually changed? I, I do think some things have changed in a big way. I think there's some, there's definite, definitely some mitigation, and I think that the losses that were originally projected in the House will be lower than what actually happens. I, so, I do think so Republicans think will take it. think it'll be how many seats, roughly? Uh, I want to say 15. Wow, so you're some, super some, optimistic. Some are, I am optimistic. Because I feel like I hear the normal, the, the most optimistic is 25, least is 35. That's I, the range most people seem to be saying. Yeah, and I, I, I see that too. And again, I'm an optimist, and also I'm a, you know, I may be too optimistic here, but I do think that the polls are a little bit off. The, the same way the polls were off in 16 um, because of Trump voters that we weren't, weren't captured in the polling, 
I think new registered women voters, especially who are rightfully outraged uh, uh, and others who are outraged by what happened in Dobbs, are not being picked up in some of these polls. So I think in some places we're going to see some surprises. So I'm hopeful and, and maybe overly optimistic so, that the House right, so, so g- is a g- little g- different. So give me your surprise places where you know, the Democrats prevail unexpectedly. I think we're going to see pickups in places like in Oregon. I think uh, we'll do better than expected in some races out here. You know New York better than anybody, but I think you know there's going to be some 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 positive uh, traction. Um, I think we're going to see some Senate races that folks didn't expect that'll either be closer or go our way. All right. Well, let's actually rip through the states real fast. Sure. So, all right, Georgia. What do you think happens? I think we win in Georgia. You think? You uh, win? I think we win Senate. Okay, but you think you win in Georgia on Tuesday or in a runoff? Definitely a runoff. Yeah, that's, because the Libertarian candidate gets that one percent. I think that's right, and I also think that. Um, I mean, look, I think a lot of what we're going to talk about today we won't know on Tuesday, and I think it may take some time. And Georgia being one of those places, we're gonna right. we're gonna have to but, wait. But let me just, from a mathematical standpoint, if it's if it went to a runoff, that means Warnock got no more than forty nine percent, right? Which means Walker got. 49 minus X, which is whatever the Libertarian got. In a runoff, wouldn't those Libertarian votes shift more likely to the Republican than to the Democratic candidate? Either that or, well, actually, we saw this, right, uh, in the presidential election where new voters actually came out. So that I think there's there's another bite at the apple. I think there's another way to expand the electorate and, and really try to reach into some of the base voters that may... And people that voted. would vote in the... New voters in a runoff who didn't vote in the in the general. Yeah, I think that's right. Huh. Okay. I, I right. think it's I think it's I think it's possible, especially if you look at like the traditional Biden coalition. Yeah. The folks that will turn out in a presidential are going to look a little bit different than the ones that turn out in the midterms, and we'll have a chance to go get some of those folks in the midterms. Got it. Okay. Fair enough. Um, was Obama able to do that in like 2010 and 14? No. Right. Point, point being, <laughs> it's a, I think it's hard. It is hard. Uh, you're right. you're totally right. right. So uh, Pennsylvania. Oh, God, this is a hard one. This is really hard. Did you watch any of that debate? I did. Yeah. You know, I went back and forth as to whether or not they made a very big strategic mistake in yeah. putting him well, out there. What would you have, if you were on the campaign, what I would, would not have done, done it because I, I, I'm very conservative with my candidates. Uh-huh. And I, but, but the longer it sat with me, the more I realized it was probably the right call. Uh, it shows they weren't running. They weren't scared. They put him out there. The whole world could see it. He definitely, um, you know, struggled a bit. As we all do, um, and I think he, he he showed that he was a man, and he stood up, and I think people in Pennsylvania will appreciate that. And he also exposed, and we got to see, the problem with Oz, especially uh, on choice and things of that nature. Right. Then I, I noticed yesterday that Oprah endorsed Fetterman, yeah. which I guess it's significant because she's the one who made Oz's career in exactly. the first place. So do you think that actually moves? So I, I, whoever told me this, I don't know, in my last meeting, I think it was, or two meetings ago. I said to her, you know, other than Barack Obama in a Democratic primary or Donald Trump in a Republican primary, I'm not sure any endorsement from anybody means anything. Um, you think an O for endorsement does mean something? I do, yeah. Why? Well, because she's this icon, right? And there are very few people who can reach, you know, across uh, uh, your table at Thanksgiving and, and, and excite your, your, your aunties, your theas your grandparents and even the young kids in a way that she can because people just trust her inherently. Now, I, I will say... But she's not at the peak of her powers. Anymore. She's not at the peak of her power. And I will say that I, you know, the further and further we get into these elections, the, the less value I think celebrities have in some of these. 
Um, it's still important if we get them out on the road or we're using them for GOTV or grassroots fundraising. And those, sure. uh, it's, we have to wait to see how Fetterman uses it, but grassroots fundraising yeah. could be key for right. us. Oh, they shouldn't give them much time to work with. Exactly. Um, all right, Ohio. I don't, you know, I love our candidate out there. Uh, he's a good guy. Um, that is just a state like Texas where we have more Republicans and Democrats. going to be tough. Uh, Nevada. Do you know Cortez Mastro well? I know her. I helped her in 16. Yeah. Um, she was our first Latina U.S. senator. Right. Very proud of her. Um, I will say that her campaign is just really kind of sharpened in the last couple of weeks. The numbers there... <laughs> Such a nice way to frame it. <laughs> hey, the numbers there are, are, are getting to where they need to be. And, you know, in, in Nevada, you've got a very fast-growing Asian-American population. Right. Obviously, the Latino vote is really critical. The black vote in Nevada, people always forget, but the black vote is what helped deliver the number two slot to Joe Biden along with Latinos and Asian-Americans in Nevada uh, in the primary. And so I think if that coalition comes back together, Cortez Masto will pull it out, but it's going to be a nail-biter. Yeah, we're also um, hoping for Sisolak to pull it out. He's the incumbent Democratic governor because he has already said he'll do universal school meals. Oh, that's great. But He's so, a good guy. And we'll, we'll go all in on a campaign if that happens, but of course it's totally dependent on him getting reelected. Yeah, so. he's, he's, he's terrific. Um, his chief of staff is someone who I know well, who is the first Latin U.S. senator out there and, and, and came in early for Biden. And, you know, I think they've got the right team there. The, uh, the thing about Nevada, um, you know, they got hit hard in the pandemic and, you know, labor has been so critical to what happens in Nevada. Unite Here has been out there uh, doing what they need to do and other labor, but it, it's going to be a close one. Um, Arizona? We're going to win in Arizona, Democrat. Yeah. Kelly. And then who do you think wins the governor's race there? That one I, I'm a little uh, pessimistic about, mostly because of how telegenic and, and Trump-like the Republican is, is. Yeah. No, she, I mean, I've heard people mention her in 24 already, right? She's really? pretty yeah. fast, but, you know, um, I guess these days things move can move pretty quickly. Um, yeah, Archie, I, 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 I think you're right about that, by the way. I, I would not be surprised to see that ticket. Um, you're a Texan, mm -hmm. and not all that much in the way of competitive, but the it, there was a point where it felt like maybe Beto could come within six or seven points of Abbott. Um, I'm going to guess it's going to be twice that. Um, tell me, is it one of these two things? Or th one of these statements is true and one is not, you tell me. Beto O'Rourke is a wildly overrated politician who, because he ran against the most odious person alive in Ted Cruz, came really close simply because he was exactly in the right place at the right time. Or Beto O'Rourke is a very talented politician who has now run a terrible presidential campaign and what seems like a pretty bad gubernatorial campaign. And if so, can you be a talented politician if two of your three campaigns are bad? You know, I've been around a lot of politicians, a lot of candidates, and I'll say... I don't think I've ever met anyone quite like Bethel. Okay. I think he's And you're that from good. El Paso. I, oh, yeah, yeah. Full disclosure. Right. I'm from El Paso, greatest city uh, in the entire country, um, amazing place. Uh, Bethel's our hometown hero. But even if I wasn't from El Paso and, and, and just got to work with him or got to know him, you would see him in rallies and, 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 and the energy that he brings to it and the work that he puts into it and the heart that he puts into it. I don't think I've ever seen anybody quite like that. Now... The problem we've got there is, A, uh, you know, it's an off cycle. Uh, we've got a Democrat in the White House. Um, and also, you know, it's Texas. There are, right. you know, 
far more Republicans than there are Democrats. So we'd have to actually overperform to do it. Um, and so I, I do think it's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be a tough night for him. So, so there's actually a perfect pivot to the next topic, which is, so uh, over the last time I was in Austin, I was talking to someone I know there who's you know, very left wing. And he was saying, well, Texas is a purple state turning blue. And I was like, dude, they've been saying that for fucking decades. Austin, they, the drugs there are strong. Right. And then he's like, well, just look at the demographics. I said, okay, show me them. And he goes, well, the state's becoming more and more and more Latino. And I said, yeah. And he goes, well, they're for the Democrats. And I said, no. And he said, of course they are. They're people of color, just like blacks. And I said, you know, this is a white guy. Um, and I said, I think you should check your math, dude. It's, that's not actually how it plays out. So, um, but it seems to me that his misassumption there is commonly held by lots of sort of white progressive voters. Um, why do they hold that misassumption? Yeah, I, I agree with you. It is a, it is a misassumption. Um, for a long time, folks thought you know, demography is destiny. Mm -hmm. And as Texas and as other states become browner, um, they'll have greater success in electing Democrats. And that's clearly not the case. Uh, for Democrats, we have to make it so. Demography yeah. isn't destiny. You've got to do the work. You've got to show up. Um, and when it comes to Latino voters, you know, the reason why Texas is so fast growing, the reason why it's picking up congressional seats and redistricting is because of the fast growing Latino population. Now, uh, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll use a personal anecdote here, though. So my mom came to the U.S. as a migrant farm worker. She was one of ten um, from Zacatecas, Mexico, and they settled in El Paso, the greatest city on earth. So if my you mom... You know, El Paso pays him 20 cents every time he says that on the podcast. <laughs> I wish we had the money to do that. That's um, why I said 20 cents. <laughs> U.S. dollars. Um, so if my mom's brothers and sisters were all alive today, I would say of the ten... Seven would be Democrats uh, on a good day. Uh, on a bad day, six would be Democrats. So that's kind right. of the range that we see anyways. Like the high water mark for Republicans was, um, you know, 40% for Latino vote for, for George W. Bush, right? So right. That, we have to do better than that, obviously. And in the states that we're talking about, these battlegrounds, especially statewide in Arizona, Nevada, and places like that, you really need to be getting about two-thirds of Latino vote to be successful if you want to win statewide. If you start dropping, that's when you have problems. Now, Texas... You know, as, as nuanced as it is and as diverse as the community is, we're seeing, um, you know, folks becoming more Republican in the Valley. But you go down the Valley, not El Paso, yeah. my hometown, but in yeah. the Valley, you're seeing it. But you're, you're seeing the opposite in, in, in places like Dallas, Harris County, um, the big city, San Antonio. I don't see any real trends there moving to Republicans. I see a little bit in the Valley, but really what, what we need so to start So we're getting about, back into, it's, it's not Latino, non-Latino, it's sort of Urban rural. Urban rural, right. exactly. Uh, education level, yeah. uh, gender, uh, exactly. And, and it, that's the point I was going to make, exactly, Bradley. I think what I would um, tell any candidate that I was advising uh, or anybody who's thinking about doing work in this area is you really need to treat a Latino voter the same way you would treat, you know, uh, what we call like a white working class swing voter in Michigan or Wisconsin or anywhere else. Now, I, I take Florida off the map because that's a unique place. It's it's, yeah. its own world. But for the rest of the country, for the most part, you really need to, to target and spend time uh, and think of Latino voters as you would like a voter in Michigan. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Dobbs, we talked about inflation. Um, we've been wondering at this podcast for a while now, which is ultimately a better election day motivator, 
abortion or gas prices slash inflation. Um, what's your guess on that? You know, <clears throat> it's funny. I was talking to a, a good friend and mentor this morning on the on the train ride up here from from D.C. and what he said, it's it, it stuck with me. He said, "Look, he goes, abortion may affect someone, you know, once in their life, um, but the cost of living, gas prices, inflation affects someone every single day." Yeah. And so, you know, for a lot of voters, they're going into the voting booth or they're they're voting by mail, however they're doing it, and 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 the economy and inflation are always kind of the top things, right? But I, I push back a little, and I'll say like, this is different in the sense that. For the first time ever, we've lost a constitutional right. Our daughters, Bradley, will have fewer rights than their mom had. And that is yeah. insane. That is fucking crazy. Yeah. And so there's an outrage in this country, rightfully so, where that has to be pushed back upon. And I don't think we understand yet what that all means. But um, for a voter who cares deeply about constitutional rights, you care about your daughter, you care about you know abortion rights, you know that probably will be dispositive for that voter. They're not going to say, like, look, I hate that I lost the constitutional right, but gas is a little bit more than it was two years ago. By the way, gas prices keeps dropping, as you saw. Ron Klain uh, tweets about it constantly because gas prices are going down, and, and, and they care a lot about it because that's the thing that you see most Americans when they go and fill up. But, you know, I, I, I think it's both. I really do think it's both. Um, and then, like, I was talking to some, a candidate uh, in New Jersey for office, and I said to him, do you think abortion and DOPS will be a big motivator? And his answer was... I don't think, I hope so, but because women in New Jersey aren't worried about losing their access to abortion, it may not be the kind of motivator that it is in states where actually the issue itself is a question. Um, do you think that's right? Or? Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. I mean, it's partly why we saw that explosion in Kansas, right? It was actually like a question that folks could answer. And right. so um, right. I do think that's part of it. But there's another piece that it's more subtle, but the fact that the electorate has expanded mm -hmm. and that there are all these new women voters in the electorate, it, it, it tells me that something has shifted. I don't, we don't quite understand it yet. It's going to yeah. take some time. It'll probably take a couple of election cycles for us to really get it. Um, but, there, but there's certainly something there. And the other piece to this, and why I think this election is so weird, Bradley, is it seems like the two sides aren't engaging in hand-to-hand -hand combat or like you know, you see the National Geographic videos of like the two Rams kind of like butting heads. Yep. They're missing each other. They're talking different languages almost. So Democrats, yeah. like you just mentioned, are, you know, a lot about Dobbs until very recently, little of, of the other stuff. And Republicans, it's crime, especially here in right. New York, right? It's crime. It's well, economy. That's honestly the problem, at least in New York, Kathy Hochul was clear to the polling, told her to say Dobbs all day, every day. But Zeldin caught up because he, I think it was, seemed pretty fucking obvious to me that crime was the issue, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, I was talking to my taxi driver on the way down here, and that was what he was talking about the entire way. Who's he going to vote for? He he was a seventy-year-old black, seventy-plus black man um, who was very upset about the crime. There, we, we had a, uh, an incident on the way down where someone was just kind of losing their shit on the side of the road and yelling at the cab. They're, they're called you sidewalks. You know how it is. What would you say? They're called sidewalks. Yeah. yeah. It's not around Texas. The side right, 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 right. Roadkill. Yeah. Side of the road. I mean, sidewalk. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, pardon my cackling. But um, but you're exactly right. And, and, and so he, we, we got into this conversation about politics. I didn't start it, but he started it. He will end up with the Democrat, but he is pissed off about 
some of the laws that have been passed here. He's pissed off that yeah, it seems right like people be. aren't taking taking it seriously. And yeah. he's like, look, I've lived here I mean, his entire life. He's like, my kids were raised here. And he's like, I've never seen anything quite like well, it. Well, what's interesting is he is the victim of the DSA, right? Because the bail law is what he's talking about specifically. Like they passed right. this crazy fucking law in Albany that basically says, you commit a crime, you're back out in the street an hour later. And there's just, whether it's happening in mass or just the daily news and the post seem to find it every single day, every day there's someone who like does something, gets arrested, gets let out, and then murders someone, rapes someone, robs someone, does something bad. And so people are infuriated by that. Now that's a hardcore, super progressive issue which then ultimately, and, and they, if you ask them why they were doing it, they would say for racial justice, for social justice. But then the people who often are the biggest victims of, the, of their social justice are African-Americans uh, or Latinos, people who are living in poorer neighborhoods that are more beset by crime, right. that all of a sudden, uh, rather than seeing people who are harming other people locked up, they're just back out there again. And so... You know, it's funny how you just could see these sort of like super progressives congratulating themselves all the time on how like righteous and woke they are. And it's like, you actually only hurt the same people that you said you wanted to help. Yeah, you know, it's so complicated because I, I, the other thing we talked about, I hate to go back to this cab drive, but he was saying that what's the one changed. With the road kill. The, yeah. <laughs> exactly. What, what he was saying was like something has shifted and COVID, I think, has changed the country so much. And has made people angrier and we all feel unsettled and like that coupled with like some new policies that I think are the right policies in many ways the, the, the criminal justice system was fucked up you, you have yeah. to admit that and, yeah sure and 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 so then that coupled with this you know our, our economy went to shit right it yeah. shut down and then people are coming back out of it and people are angry and there's more guns on the streets and so all of this stuff is happening and so even a great policy and, and I'm not saying that's a perfect policy but I do think it needed improvement can be turned upside down, right? And mm-hmm. and and so obviously that needs to be fixed in some ways, but I don't think you throw it all out because it, it was, you know, it wasn't right before. If 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 people of color, uh, if if black folks and Latino folks and everybody else are, are bearing the burden of a, a, a terrible crim, uh, criminal justice system, we, we've got to fix sure, that. Sure, anyway. but I mean, so I would argue. Well, first thing we do is decriminalize all drugs. I agree. And then actually, if you legalize them then a huge amount of incarceration would just go away then and of, of itself. Because once you legalize them, there's no violence around. There's no, like, alcohol violence right now. Like, no one's yeah. competing for the speakeasy business or whatever. The, the corner. You know? Yeah. So, like, right. But in the drug trade, you have that. So, one, that would do it. But, two, it seems to me on the on the question of bail, cash bail or not, it just, it just ought to be if the person commits a violent crime, they have to stay in jail. And if they don't, they're released, right? Like, yeah. I don't, like, I just I, don't, I'm not under, I just, it's like, hard, I don't understand why that's not such a simple answer. Yeah, no, no, I, I hear <laughs> that. I, I actually totally hear that. And I will say that when I was a younger person, um, I was far more, I think, out there on these issues than I am today. Now, as a, I keep coming back to this being a dad thing, but as a dad, and I'm walking my daughter to school, it, it drives me crazy when someone even just speeds by and puts them at risk, you know, mm-hmm. like things like that. I yeah. never really thought about before. And, and, and having folks out there that are, that are dangerous is, you know, we've got to do something about that. I hear you. All right. So 2024. So you worked both uh, at a high level in the Biden campaign and then in the white house. Is he going to run again? Yes. What makes you think that? 
well, without divulging any conversations I've had with him, um, it's all set up to do it. He he's eager to do it. I think um, he's the best person to do it. Uh, what I mean by that is, if Donald Trump uh, runs again, um, Biden has shown he can how to beat him. He has the energy to do it. For whatever reason, Trump really inspires him to get out there and and like I mean, fight someone, back. That's great. Um, you know, he's, he's a what bully. If it's he's or someone like that. I mean, DeSantis is going to be a problem, and I, I'm pretty sure he will run. Um, and I think he will be a very formidable opponent. Um, I think Biden beats him. Biden runs. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that have to happen before then. But, you know, I know we're talking on this podcast that runs before the midterms. Yep. The day after the midterms is the start of the presidential election. Right. And so your just guess the moment will be, or, or, or based on your information, is Biden will run, which means there will be no Democratic primary. Correct. I mean, do you think someone Some crazy him? person no will do it. Right. No. You know, okay. just crazy people. Right. And then the Republicans will have probably Trump, DeSantis, Pence, Pompeo, Maybe Haley, Abbott, you know, some, um, what's his name, um, Arkansas guy. So, like, you know, some, some, mix, of yep. t- some mix of that. Um, yeah. And then, we'll, and then, but the problem is it's almost like, I, I was just trying to go through sort of a rational thought process as we were talking. Like, wait, if Trump's involved, there's no such thing as a rational thought process. Like, there isn't. Who the throw fuck it out knows? The window. Right. You like, know what's by happen. the way, decent shot all happening while he's under federal indictment. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. And, you know, what's weird about it is their, I imagine, their campaign strategy, not even their campaign strategy, their legal strategy is when do you announce to thwart some kind of an indictment, right? Right. Because that's got to be part of the thinking. I, I mean, the truth is... They should announce this like the end of this week, like Wednesday night or something. Something, yeah. I mean, although, so you're Merrick Garland, I, and I don't know Merrick Garland at all. I've never met him, but seems like an impressive man. And Very impressive. It seems like I just can't imagine he would let himself be boxed out of doing what he knows is the right thing to do simply because Trump made a clever political move. Like, yeah, I understand right. that there's then going to be all the accusations and all the same shit that, but, you know, Fox News is going to say something. They're going to have a negative take on it, no matter how you look at it, yeah. right? So, like, you know, regardless of when Trump does do it, if Garland has the, you know, has the goods, like, I hope he does it. Um, and then here's the do too. last question, the interesting question, which would be, okay, Donald Trump is under indictment. How much does it change, if at all, his odds of winning the primary? I got to tell you, I think it helps him. I hate to say it. You know these people. All right, now let's, love flip, let's flip to a general against Biden. Um, Still under indictment. Oh, you know, I think we end up with almost the same map and the, and the same result as we did last time around. You know, I want to say that, you know, Biden would win by bigger numbers, but the country is so so much on this knife's edge um, that I think we, we're, we're going to have a very similar conversation in the lead up to it the way we did last time. It'll All be right. close. Well, we'll have this again. Crystal, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me.